Hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made. My name is Olivia, and each week we go behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry to bring you the stories of how things got made and the people who make them. This week, I am so excited because it is the start of our little mini-series on the making of The Porter. Now, the reason why I'm so excited about this conversation and why I think that this conversation is so special is because I was joined by five of the key creative members in a kind of roundtable conversation about the, the different elements of bringing this production together. They are a really fun, charming, cool bunch that I really felt honored to get to speak to because you can tell you know, how passionate they are about this project and how much this project means to each of them. Let me introduce to you who you're going to be hearing from. And then let's talk a little bit about the the plot of The Porter, uh, give you a bit of an intro before we get into my roundtable discussion with this amazing team. So today on the podcast, I was joined by Marsha Green, who is an executive producer, showrunner, writer, and creator on the show. Anne-Marie Murray, who's an executive producer, showrunner, writer, and creator. Charles Officer, who's an executive producer and director. Arnold Pinnock, who's an executive producer, writer, creator, and actor in the show. And R.T. Thorne, who's an executive producer and director. So for those of you who don't know, this series was, was originated by the executive producer and writer, Arnold Pinnock, who is a self-described history buff. And he first came across this really interesting story about sleeping car porters and the first black labor union. And it really resonated with him so profoundly that it inspired the beginnings of what would become the porter. So here is a little tiny taste of the magic of the porter. First thing, shoes are important. No scuffs, perfect polish. And when you walk, walk like a man with answers because whether or not you have them, that's who you have to be. Zeke, you make sure that my husband stays out of trouble tonight? Don't I always. You think I need a partner? I think you need a man that knows every vein in them trains. What makes you think you'll even make it to the door? (laughs) If I wanted to get the porters into a union, what's the first thing I should do? Okay, I hope that got you really excited for this conversation with the creative team. Part one of this mini-series on the making of The Porter focuses much more on the development, how this idea came about, and we talk about how this story got pitched. We talk about developing the script. And then in part two, we focus much more on the production of this show. So stay tuned for part two, which will drop next Wednesday. So if you haven't watched The Porter already, new episodes are every Monday night at 9 p.m. local on CBC. But if you don't have cable, not to worry, CBC Gem has got you covered. And I've been instructed to remind you that you can actually stream from your device onto the TV to enjoy the show in its fullest glory. So before you do that, please enjoy this conversation with this amazing creative team from The Porter. 
stir up all the pep you've got. Make some swing of room. Yes, yes, yes. Patty cake. So I want to say congratulations on an amazing show. Everything about it, the set, the costumes, the acting, the writing is so masterful. So congratulations. So starting off, I wanted to um, start with one of my favorite quotes from the series. I know y'all might be scared of what might happen if we do this, but maybe it's time we start thinking about what happens if we don't. And I'm curious, you know, if that quote resonates with with your journey with the show and if you felt, you know, it's it's a tough process, but I have to bring the show to life. Felt like um, uh, a, a sense of ownership as to why I believe I had to put everything I had to it into it. Uh, regardless of hurdles that we all run into to get any show going in general. Uh, I just, uh, I took on that, um, that burden, so to speak, and uh, didn't let the uh, ups and downs stop me from uh, moving uh, forward. I just felt like it was um, not just a story of these men and women, the, their journeys, but also the collectiveness of, of all of us that are in front of you. Uh, because us unionizing together, I think Charles says this a lot from day one, is the fact that us unionizing together and coming together to tell this story, I think that is just as impactful as uh, talking about the, the the journeys of these these men and men and women, because we are we are us unionizing together. We're actually doing what they did to get something done. So I I, I echo on something that, like I said, that Charles has consistently said about the, the 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 beauty and the strength of unionizing together. And here we are right in front of you having the opportunity to, to, to uh, talk about uh, the fruit of our labor. My next question is about, you know, the, the technical process of, you know, coming up with this idea and how you got it ready to pitch and then the process of pitching it uh, before it eventually landed at the CDC. Well, the technical aspect of it. I mean, I was very fortunate to be able to know uh, people at CBC that were in a position to grant me the opportunity to come in to pitch. Uh, but uh, Bruce Ramsey and I just worked uh, immensely on trying to put together a, a pitch deck and a, a lookbook together. Uh, it was really important for me to showcase as much uh, visual as possible so that, you know, a, a picture says a thousand words, so to speak. And then when we got the opportunity just to be as, as uh, truthful about the experience that these men and women went through, uh, especially uh, for the porters in forming this, this uh, first uh, bl- Black union, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. And I think it was that the, the realism of that, that they echoed back to us, oh my God, I can't believe this is real. And the fact that we were giving the opportunity to showcase the, 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 the hidden truth or the not so known about truth to the power, to the gatekeepers and then realizing that, oh, my God, there's something here that uh, these two have uncovered that we need to go down. So I think it was just the fact for us is just, you know, as much as we can say we put it in this thing here when we made it into this. It was just really the truth of it all. And the the, oh my God moment that really, I think, shook the the foundation that uh, the powers that be were like, we've got to somehow be a part of this and bring it to to air. And I have to ask you about the pitch pitch deck. 
there's often comparisons or a certain tagline you use when you're pitching a project. Do you remember what yours was for the porter? Arnold, it must have said Peaky Blinders. I was at uh, that. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if that was not in your pitch deck, Arnold. <laughs> When we were making the show at one point, we had a Peaky Blinders uh, jar so that like whenever Arnold mentioned Peaky Blinders, he had to put like a a money in the jar because he brought it up. And then I think we ended up having a Breaking Bad one, too, because we were always bringing up Breaking Bad as well. Those are the only. And then we had we might have had a swear one, which was probably for me. (laughs) No, I can't. I can't remember the log line, but like you said, I'm sure there was a Peaky Blind moment. I, I just remember just make trying to make the book different so that it would stand out against the thousands of, you know, white little pitch deck scripts that they got. Realistically, it was really just the contents of the, the show that really uh, piqued people's interest because they'd never Sorry. seen anything. They'd never seen our story before. Do you know what I mean? So to speak, I'm not saying that they haven't been pitched before, but they'd never seen it. I remember the image, Arnold, that she had with um, on the front was striking. Like I think you're 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 you some you've known someone you know in your family who whatever was the graphic designer for that, and it was just I remember being struck by because there's so many ways you could come into the image of a porter, and it just felt strong. And it felt dignified. Like, yeah, that was my niece, my poor niece, huh? like constantly doing revision after revision after revision. Sound familiar, everybody? But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, my niece, it became a family thing. My 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 niece is a graphic designer and and she would help out. And, you know, you reached out to your your uh, cousins who are pastors or in the, the uh, Toronto um, church choir to sing hymns that we would add. I even remember going out to my fellow actors and, and the tagline. OK, here's the tagline. I'm on the train. I'm a porter, too. That was that was the tagline. So I'd have all my friends cross the country videotape them doing that. And then collectively, we would put them all together and send to send to CBC. So many people, uh, as well as, of course, the people in front of you came together to help this project come on board. They felt the passion. And uh, they they got behind us. And then, mm-hmm. of course, we have this unbelievable team in front of you, which took not only took on the passion, but uh, but added to it and uh, and added their amazing talents to it, to where we are here. I agree. You know, you know, you have something special when people want to bring parts of themselves into the project. And so my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that once you got to CBC, Anne-Marie and um, Marsha came on board to help you with the writing. Can you right. tell me how you got involved and, and what it meant to you and why you wanted to be involved on this project? I would just say before, you know, it was Sienna Films and Jennifer Kowaja that got on board after CBC and uh, really helped to, to push things forward in order for us to get the Anne-Marie and the Marsha Greens and, 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 and Artis and Charles. I, I think we had different stages of development and development rooms and there was gaps between the time and, and the teams shifted a little bit in terms of not only schedules, availabilities, but um, those who felt you know, an affinity or felt the ability to carry those stories forward. You know, a lot of things happened sort of over the course of the few years on the road to development. So I think I was in one of the 
earlier rooms, I had heard, I like many people, I'd heard about the project, was fortunate enough to sort of be in the room and just help contribute to the, the, the breaking story or discussing story just from a writer's perspective. And there was uh, another team, another pairing sort of running the room at the time. And, you know, time passes, you go, you, you know, test the waters in terms of maybe who your partner will be outside of, you know, because this is what we need to make TV happen in this country. We often need to find a UK or an American partner to bolster um, production. And so in the midst of this, we kind of came back into another development process after some time. Um, Marsha and I were then paired together to really sort of see if we can find the shape and the heart and, and a lot of great work had been done over the years. And we just really had to sort of now personalize of what is the story as we see it, as we believe um, is strongest. And that is not just a union story, but a story about a community trying to come up. And um, yeah, Marcia, I'll let you speak to how you came. I mean, Amory, you, you covered so much, but yeah, so we worked to, Amory and I met, or I guess kind of uh, like worked on the Porter together as writers in the room in the earlier development stage, and then eventually came together to show run it together. And so we, you know, started to work together and like think about the stories. I was thinking about your question about the pitch deck and Charles did a pitch deck later on in the process after we had done it and the image, I think it was the front cover image, or at least it's the one that I remember, which was, it was like a fist, like that was on this red background. And I feel like that was like, it's very interesting. Like the earlier images had been were beautiful and to take nothing away from them, but we're more focused on the the Porter look. And then that one to me, I think spoke more to a theme of the show, like this theme that of course lives in the Porter stories, but lives in all of their stories, which is this theme of like resistance and of community and whatever. And that image kind of started to bring all of those things uh, together. So yeah, as Anne-Marie said, as we started to work on it, it just is, you know, I think we all started at the Porters and there's such a fascinating history um, that we never knew. And as Arnold said, we all had this, you know, kind of moment of like, oh, wow, like, look at all of this, like, look at this history we never knew. But, and as we started to do more research, we just started to find out even more. And then Anne-Marie and I were like, let's put everything in the show. Uh, and so, you know, we did, and we got to kind of have these four or five characters um, where we could explore all of these different these different stories. So the porters are kind of the the heart and the heartbeat of it, but it extends to the community and and kind of branches off from there. So, of course, this this story, as you we've been speaking about, is deeply rooted in in history. But all the characters are fictional, and you know the storylines are fictional. And so, I'm curious, you know, what it meant for you to have the opportunity to be in control of the narrative, especially as um, diverse women. You know, what can you talk about the writing process and and your unique perspective? Yeah, I think we've we've all everyone in these squares <laughs> have all come from experiences where we were maybe the only BIPOC person. We were sort of speaking not just for ourselves but for our community, and sometimes that was heard, and sometimes that was not heard. Here we had this opportunity to turn the lens of history on those who are typically held in the background who have their own stories, 
who have their own journey. So it was very exciting to be able to really delve into these worlds that have been, you know, largely invisible in our storytelling and in our history, speaking in our speaking of history, not in our history because they've always been in our history, but in our speaking of history and in our learning of history. So you want to, you know, it's like you're kind of a kid in a candy store and you want to, you know, do everything and talk about everything. And in the end of the day, Marsha and I always talk about, we want to make it, this is not a documentary, this is a, it's a drama. And we still want to make good television and we want wherever your experience is, wherever you, you know, you fall into the spectrum of story and life and experiences that you find uh, a way into the series and that you're engaged. So that's always the goal as well. So there was a lot to play with. I was super excited to sort of have the opportunity to do it, you know, and at the end of the day, we still wanted it to be great TV. Um, I think, you know, Anne-Marie and I kind of say this often when we're doing at interviews together, but like, we're very different. Um, as showrunners, we were able to kind of use that to our advantage and, you know, and like kind of divide the work very well because we have different strengths. But I think when it came to writing these characters, that was something we were like, you know, there isn't only one kind of black woman, you know, like people are different. And, and so, because so often in our writing experience, there was only this kind of one character maybe where you could bring those stories or your own experiences to, um, to get to be in this show and be like, we have a whole cast of characters. We have like this entire cast of characters who can all be different, where you can take all of these stories, real and fictional and, and bring them into, into their lives was really exciting and, and quite new, like not an experience we had. And I remember like RT was in, um, the writer's room with us for a while too in the beginning and you know and I feel like you know RT was always like yeah like let it be messy let it be gritty like, like you know I think because we're a fictional show we did have that freedom to not be like you know it has to be like this but then even more than that it is a it is a heroic tale of the what the porters did and what the community did but yet we still wanted to have drama and we wanted them to have flaws and to not always make the right decisions and, and things like that within that that heroic tale and really fill them out as you know fully formed people. When I started watching the show, you know, I expected it to be a show about porters. And what I was really surprised to find was the the depth that we had when they went home, you know, when we got to see their personal lives, we got to see, you know, the women who influenced them and they too had their own completely, you know, unique stories that were powerful and strong, separate and apart from the porters. And I wasn't expecting that. And that was one of the, the fun parts about the show too. So there's a, there's a lot of questions, I think, in the Canadian entertainment industry about, you know, what it means to be a Canadian show, you know, because we have all these CanCon requirements about, you know, creatives having to be, you know, Canadian, but we don't spend a lot of time talking about Canadian stories and the importance of actually showing stories that are so obviously Canadian. And so I'm curious, you know, maybe Charles or RT, you could jump in of the importance of, of making the story an obviously Canadian story. I think um, I'll just revert back to the idea that everyone in, the, in, that you're in front of you right now, I think we've all seen what's missing um, in this industry and, and our, our visibility, our stories, um, you know, our place, our lineage is very non, it doesn't exist. So I think to your question, it's, it's just, the importance of of uh, of 
of us galvanizing this story and presenting it is 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 a beautiful step. It's a beautiful place. We're 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 honored and privileged to do it, but I also think that we had deserved to do this. And the importance of 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 kind of really demonstrating that a story such as this is what Anne Marie and Marsha have described, or like this experience of of black people, people, <laughs> you know, not characters, not characters, you know, caricatures of that, and the diaspora and how broad it is and how vast it is and how how much of a contribution our community, our ancestors have had to what we live in today, and as in those struggles and 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 it's and it speaks to our 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 fight for freedom, which I think is ultimately what is very important, you know, thematically for for our younger folks for for our parents so the importance of like you know <laughs> tapping the story into the fabric of what exists in you know historically in this country is is critical and 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 this is what i love is what their emory march is saying is that we've had these this 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 beautiful uh richness of characters that behave differently that think differently that gets to show that that they're all these other stories that exist. I think that, you know, I wouldn't be as bold as saying our show is groundbreaking, but I know that this show is, has broken ground. I think it's groundbreaking, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, keep that to myself. I think, you know, interestingly enough, like I remember early on in the, you know, in the production part of it we've cast it and we're, we're getting closer to being on the floor we started like noticing that we were like should should these characters sound like this like shouldn't they shouldn't they sound like maybe they should sound kind of old-timey right like like they're speaking you know and then we're like well no nah, maybe not maybe not and then we're like eh. And, and all this kind of debate about how we should sound and what we realized is that in the canon of, of programming and content and movies and film and television in, in, in Canada, we really didn't have a picture of how black people and black communities sounded in the past. All of our references, we, we had a few actors come in and they read for roles and they're reading with like a Southern American take on being a black person in Canada. Not that their character was from the South, but that is the reference that, you know, we have as black people in this country for our history. And that is, and it was like, it was this realization that that's pervasive. That's what people think that that is black history. It's Southern United States, black history. And, and so, we had to discover what the sound is for our community and, and what they speak like and what their backgrounds, how much you know, their immigration backgrounds are brought into how they sound in their community, how they speak to each other. So that's just like a snapshot of the realization that we, we haven't seen this type of history very often in, in Canada and, and the decisions that kind of creative decisions that you go through, you say, oh, wow, like we really haven't seen this and we really need to discover it. And then we need to put our stamp on it. And it's not to say that we're the, you know, we're the firebrand for it. You know what I mean? Like, like there is a story, there's a Nova Scotia 
conk, like hardcore. Conk. I have a, I have a, I have a friend who's like eight generations deep black Canadian. And there's that, there's that story that needs to come out as well. You know, it's not, it's not, we're telling um, mostly an immigrant story of, of, you know, a first or second generation immigrant story and, and this community, but there are many stories out there for um, black Canadians um, to really show how we've impacted and, and changed this country. And this is one of the first, I won't call it the absolute first, but it is one of the first. And we're proud to be that. And we hope that it inspires more. And if I can pick up on, you know, being one of the first and being one of the biggest, how do you take on that pressure? Because I think so often we see discrimination against or just expecting perfection, you know, and not giving people the proper chance to fail. And of course, we have the case study of Shoot the Messenger, I think was an incredible show by two amazing creatives, Jennifer Holness and Sud Sutherland. And, um, you know, there were claims and CBC disputes them, but there were claims that it was it was uh, not renewed for a second season, despite, you know, having higher ratings than some other shows that were. And so, you know, with all that, that history, how does that impact you when you're creating the show? And, and do you feel a sense of pressure as, as you go about it? Pressure makes diamonds, Olivia. <laughs> I they all knew that. I was going to say that. Everybody knew I was going to say that because I, 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 I always I said, say. I said that in a meeting uh, like last week, and the the person I said it to was just like so astounded. I did not credit you. Um, <laughs> I was like, "That's a, it's a reporter." The reporter knew it all. That's right. <laughs> when RT, what did you, when RT uh, discovered unapologetically black? <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry, um, to, we're, we're getting tired. To, to be honest, I would say that when we were making the show, I didn't really think about it that much because, you know, for all of its, for all of the things that we're talking about, the process of making the show is in fact very similar to the process of making every show, you know, you're writing, you're rewriting, you're getting notes. You're, so there would be like moments where I think you would feel, uh, kind of the cool things about it, you know, like we've talked before about um, our cast wall in the production office. So going and seeing this wall, this wall like covered with black faces and we were just like, wow. But I would say only now in this time that like now that the show is out, that, that now I feel it a little bit more, the, the, just the desire for people to watch it, you know, and to like, I'm, yeah, I don't know if I'm aware of it being held to a greater standard, but I'm aware of how much it means to us, how much it means to the community, how much it could mean to television for it to do well, for people to see that. And I want that. Like, I want that to be <laughs> a thing that happens, you know, that we make this story and all these other stories do come out and people like come out and they get their stories greenlit. Like, I want that to happen. But I would say when we were making it, I didn't really feel that pressure because I felt the normal pressure of making a show and trying to have it be really, really good. And now, uh, now I'm like, everybody please watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a conversation that Charles and I had super early, like you know, pretty much when as soon as I had kind of signed on and we had a just a talk about, I mean, you know, how we were gonna navigate, you know, <laughs> you know, being two directors on this and all that stuff. And 
there was a beautiful, it was kind of like a moment of like connection and Charles and I are old friends, but it was just this sort of like, we, we share a philosophy and the philosophy is that like, we, we're not in competition. If, at first it was like, we're going to be in competition with each other. That's not going to happen because we're, we're, we're good friends. And it's just, it just, we, 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 our, our relationship is completely based on, on, on our respect for each other and our, on our friendship. But it was like, we're not in competition with each other. We're not in competition with anybody else either. We're literally in competition with ourselves. We want to make something that will impress ourselves. So it's not about what people's expectations are. I have my own expectations on what I do and I have to live up to mine. And that's, that's my, that's my standard, you know, and, it's, and Charles, he said this and I'm like, this is crazy because it's exactly how I feel, ex- precisely how I feel. So once <laughs> it was almost like once we had that initial call, I was like, we're good. Like, and I don't mean we didn't feel prep. Like we, during the shoot, it was one of the most stressful shoots of all time. Just, but as Marsha's saying, not because of people's expectations, but because the parameters that we're working in to make this show, the difficulty of making this show, the size and the scope of the show is so huge. And we just didn't want to let, we ultimately didn't want to let ourselves down. Like we, you know, you know, Charles and I would walk away, you know, nearly every day. And then we might check in with each other and be like, Oh my God, I feel so defeated, you know, because you just, you wanted so much more than you could get. But ultimately that's just, that's just making a show. Like it's just, it's always that, you know what I mean? You never, you never have as much money as you would like. You never have as much time as you would like. You never, all of these things. It's always like that. It doesn't matter. I mean, I haven't made a Marvel movie, but I'm sure even on something like that, you're like, Oh, like I wish that. So you know, but ultimately that's, that's what it was. It was, it really was the, the pressure of just making the show, but the expectations um, were, were probably the, almost the furthest thing from our minds once we got into it. That, that pressure, like just building off what RT is saying is because we cared so much because we wanted it. Like, you know, you know, you work on other shows. It's not that you don't care about them, but not to the level of like the passion that we that we had and like that that feeling of um like the pressure of course that we put on ourselves as artists but also that we knew we were being given this gift in a way you know to tell this story and wanting to honor the 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 people like whether we fictionalize it or not these are real people you know once upon a time and so i think there was maybe that might be the only difference between any show you work on that that the story was meant so much to us to get to make it and to want to do it justice. Whether or not anybody else in the world feels that way, you know, it is what it is and what that means. I mean, I would love for people to love the show and I would love for it to do well and to um, just kind of change the conversation around like Black-led shows, uh, you know, in this country. But ultimately, yeah, I would say we wanted to honor the people who came before us. And, and to do them justice. And if we've done that, then I feel very proud and very happy. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually did feel pressure um, mm-hmm. because of the amount of uh, no's that you run into mm-hmm. and the subject matter. 
And also the fact that I've, I've, I've been really blessed uh, throughout the journey of going down this road to, to, to meet people uh, that were um, um, porters that are no longer with us or, or people whose descendants, you know, and they, I don't know if you remember, Anne-Marie, when we were at the, the bookstore on Bathurst Street and that woman, that, that old woman, you know, that was a domestic that, that touched our hands. When you feel that from people that are, you know, that are in the twilight of their years, there is, an, there is an, a feeling that I felt like we only have a certain amount of time to showcase this love letter to them. And so I felt that pressure to, to, uh, to, to I don't want to use the word fight on, but continue on in, until we could have a collective of people to take that uh, abundant amount of weight and spread it amongst us all, you know, with the Sienna's, with the CBC's, with the BET's, with the Ian's, and of course the team right here, we constantly talk about that. Um, and the Bruce Ramsey's, of course, because when you take on, when you listen to these people's stories from across this country, it's not something that you go, well, gave it a good try and let's move on to the next thing. You know what I mean? I, I didn't think, I couldn't think of it that way. And when you dig into the history of it all, you know, if, if not us, then who, right? And because people have come before us, the Sud Sutherlands, the, 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 the Clement Virgos, the, the um, uh, Selwyn Jacobs, and because they've given us a platform, I actually have to throw you in there too, Charles, you know, uh, because you, you, they've given us platforms in order for us to, to do that, to continue on the fight, you can't just stop with like two or three or four no's or five no's, man. You just can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that, that's not the way we were, I believe, that's instilled in us from our, from our forefathers and, and mothers and, and, and fathers. We have that, that in us to, um, to continue that, that fight no matter what's in front of us. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to check out The Porter every Monday night at 9 p.m. And do not forget to tune in to part two of our mini-series of The Making of The Porter next Wednesday. See you then.